Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to another episode of Coaster, Coaster Kings, Kings Radio. Radio. Today's topic is, this used to be cute. <laughs> it practically means there used to be a bunch of great rides, theme parks, themed lands. They used to be incredible. And now it kind of needs some love, honestly. I love this topic. So let's drive right into it. We'll start with some rides. <laughs> so yeah, so we have three categories. We have rides... Uh, that used to be cute. <laughs> we have whole themed areas that used to be cute. And then we have entire parks that used to be cute. Um, and we posted some questions about this on Instagram. For those of you who follow us on Instagram, you may have seen this. And we just kind of wanted to get people thinking. We wanted to see like if people were thinking the same things that we were. And you guys totally are on the same wavelength as us. Like We're delighted to see that pretty much everything that people suggested we had thought of as well. Um, so like we love that everybody is kind of feeling the feel here. So we hope that, um, the things that you suggested and the things that we are also bringing, um, that weren't suggested by Instagram are, uh, also on the same wavelength for you for, uh, these things that used to be cute. Um, we have quite a list here. So first up, we'll start with the rides that used to be cute. Yes. And the very first on the list is <laughs> Temple of the Lifto. I mean, Temple of the Nighthawk, also known as Crazy, Crazy Bats, at Fantasia Lounge. We all know that Fantasia Lounge is quality, 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 quality. But then there's like this one building in the back of the park where they also host a dinner show. And inside, we find a massive three lifto Vacoma coaster. <laughs> But really, it doesn't do a whole lot anymore. The VR is gone. It's still sort of loosely themed to this Mac Enterprises like franchise, to Crazy Bats. But then it's also kind of Liftle, I mean, uh, Temple of the Nighthawk now. <laughs> so it's one of those things, like, it's a giant roller coaster, lots of potential. I mean, it's really a massive ride. Yeah. And there's nothing going on right now. It's just kind of like... Sad. They could do so much. Sean once called it Temple of the Lift Hill, very matter-of-factly, and it was. I laughed so hard. It was so I think good. it came from Sven, honestly. Did Sven say Yeah, this? he said it one episode once, so and now I can't un- Oh, my un- God. Say it. Okay, well, credit, Sven, we're crediting you for Temple of the... Because that Temple of the Lift Hill is canon. That's gospel in our house. We don't really call it anything other than that. And when we say Temple of the Lift Hill to other people who may not be in on the joke, so they know. No, people oh, really? know. What, oh. I've told people they know exactly what we mean. Hmm. Like if if there if there are people who have been to Fantasialand or know about Fantasialand or are planning a trip, and we say Temple of the Lift Hill, like they get it. If they're not familiar with Fantasialand, they won't get it. And then it's also kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I think this ride has so much potential. They don't have to do anything to the physical ride itself. So my dream, and I tell Alex this all the time. I feel like <laughs> this must be like my 10th time discussing this. My dream for Temple of the Nighthawk is for it to become a lush forest or jungle-themed environment inside. Where instead of keeping it as like a coaster in the dark, I want them to light up the place. Make it a lush forest of fake flowers and plants and trees and all that good stuff. Almost kind of like those scenes in Dronflucht at the Efteling. The fairy scenes. Where you're just like in this lush environment and like the rainforest. And there's like so much to... Just like the vibe is the environment. And I would love for Temple of the Nighthawk to become this lush forest, jungle, fairy tale ish almost like cottagecore experience. (laughs) 
where you just kind of zip through this wonderland of light and positivity and greenery. And however flowery that may sound, it's literally. Right to happiness by Tomorrowland. I just think that a highly themed indoor coaster that's not a dark themed coaster. Honestly, the world is ready for it, and I think Fantasyland can do it. Dream Flight roller coaster, yeah, a with little like Dream Flight Temple and Tea Time and Dream Temples, and I love it. Temple of the Dream Flight, I'm here for it. Ooh, okay. Temple of the Dream Flight, Temple of the Dream Flight. Wow. Okay, cute. The crossover audacity. So next, um, so this is one. That, so we, since we live in Orlando, and Orlando is kind of the the, the nucleus of like dark rides, I would say in the world. There's obviously great collections of dark rides all over the world. Like Efteling, obviously, as you just mentioned, uh, Fantagioan has a great dark ride or two. There's uh, stuff in California that's amazing. That's kind of like the birthplace of the modern dark ride. Even like Coney Island and stuff, some of the old like turn of the century haunted houses, Great Britain. Like there's great dark rides all over the world. But I think Orlando has the largest density, which means that there's also just a lot of them. And it's easy to get a little jaded, I guess. I think Cat in the Hat at Islands of Adventure, it's a, first of all, it's a great dark ride. And if it was anywhere else, it would be, um, I think, talked about more. And it's very overshadowed by the park that it's in, the resort that it's in, the city that it's in. Um, so I, I would say, like, it's a great ride. For what it is, but it just needs, it just needs some, like, a little budget boost to, like, elevate and and bring it all up to, like, its maximum potential. I think this is one, this is a really good ride that just (laughs) takes the name of the episode and and it really applies to this ride. Because it used to be really cute, because when it officially opened, as mentioned, it had a lot more going on, everything was working, more spinning... And now when you ride it, if just that was fixed alone, they would elevate the ride into, like, I think where it belongs. Yeah, just if everything that is not currently functioning on the ride was brought back online, that would be a lot. Um, and, and then there's some things that I feel like they could just redo. Like, there's, some, there's just some effects. Like, some of the screen-based effects could use, like, Oh, yeah, like the one where it's bouncing all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's just some stuff that's unnecessarily antiquated. That I'm like, if you just put even a little bit of money into this to bring it up to, like, basic turn-of-the-century technology. I mean, like, the ride just doesn't feel like it's been touched in any way since 1999. And that's that would be fine if it was also, like, working, if all, if all the things were working. But I, you just feel like, I feel like they've just gotten lazy. And, like, it's good enough. Universal, I guess a lot of theme parks are guilty of this. A lot of, like, for-profit theme parks, <laughs> unlike Efteling. Are, are comfortable with, like, a good enough and when you ride something and it's like, no, you could do better. Like, you're capable of doing better, and it would make a huge difference to the experience if you just fleshed things out. And to kind of speak on the, in the same vein, rides that just haven't been touched in a very long time. Our next <laughs> ride on our list is the Tuki Splash at Port Aventura, which used to be, or is supposedly so themed, to a volcano... <laughs> And I mean, it's it's tragic. If yeah. you've listened to our previous part of the episode recently in this season, you'll know what we're talking about. It's just in really, really poor shape. And um, as little as just like touching up the water effects or like retouching the rock work 
will go a long way because then at least it will bring back kind of like a naturalistic edge. But right now it's just like a dilapidated piece of themed art that is just... I mean, I can't believe this thing's running like this. It's just pitiful because the ride has excellent bones. And you may hear us say this more than once when we talk about rides in this podcast. Or Port Aventura. Uh, or Port Aventura. Yeah, this, okay, this ride is an excellent foil for Port Aventura. This is a distillation of everything about Port Aventura that is wrong. Maybe not everything. There's lots of things wrong with Port Aventura. But this is like a great example of what's wrong. You have something that was built in 1995, and they did it really well. And there's like probably two decades easy of noticeable neglect in the ride setup. Like I, maybe, maybe nuts, maybe that's an exaggeration, but it just looks bad. And you can tell that it's as old as it is. It looks as old as it is in that it has not been given the proper maintenance. The volcano that you're supposed to be climbing to the top of and wrapping around looks like a, just this horrible cesspool I did not know it was meant to be volcanoes. I looked at the park map. The park, yeah, the park it map still shows it. does not resemble a volcano in any way, shape, or form. And it has such potential. If it did look like a volcano, it would be a really cool ride. And then the cleanliness of the ride is just nasty. I mean, the amount of water bottles have been spitting around the lagoon for years. I can't yeah. believe that there's just no effort at all for Puerto Aventura to clean up their acts. Just to clean the ride, first of all, would be like makes such a difference, and then to yeah. just kind of restore it a little bit would be all we need for it to be even slightly cute again. Yeah, get the freaking get the bugs out of the volcano, all the like mosquito nests and stuff on that stagnant water. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Port Aventura could have a very interesting future ahead of it, for better or for worse. So maybe this and other rides. It's not even the only ride on this list. Um, Sport Aventura is a great example of like what we're talking about with this podcast. You almost could have put the whole park, except that there's some stuff that is as cute as it was when it opened, but that stuff is in the minority. But yeah, let's jump to, uh, Moving, to the U.S. Okay, so this next, this switching gears, Thunderhawk at Dorney Park. There might be people here who feel particularly like strong about this ride. I get it. It's a classic. It's 100 years old this year, but like, God, Dorney Park ruined this ride. I didn't actually get to write it until I wrote it with you the first time because it was down on a childhood visit to Dorney Park I had. And it's, everything about it is just sad. It used to have that really cool old mill flume ride that was around it. Like, it's kind of evident that the ride was built into infrastructure of another attraction, but that that attraction is gone. So there's kind of like this weird... The approach to the lift hill is weird. Like, there's this kind of this platform that it kind of strides through. That feels like it should have something on it, and then it doesn't. Um, the new tra- it got new trains. They're you know they're fine. I understand parks like wanting to do individual ratcheting lap bars and stuff to like make rides safer for little kids than they would be with like a buzz bar. My big deal with this is the break, the like the trim break that they added. They killed the last hill on this ride coming into the station. There's just not much to the ride anymore. Like, it feels like there is no, not a single moment that really is yeah. that significant. It just, the ride just feels totally, totally butchered. Um, and I don't know if there's, like, a solution that makes sense. I mean, I guess, you know, it, it's better than demolished. At least it's open, I guess. But, God, like, this is definitely a ride where I rode it and I was like, oh, man, this ride definitely used to be cuter. Like, this thing has seen a lot. But seen um, better days. Yeah. But, you know, Story Park's only wooden coaster now, so I just, I don't know. I don't, and, and unlike a lot of the rides on this list, I think it's obvious, 
what a lot of these rides need. And that's something that we talk about and that we will talk about. Um, of like what, what could be done with a ride like Thunderhawk. I don't even know if there's like a way out of the badness of Thunderhawk. Like I feel like once you start putting trims on wooden coasters, like you kind of give up the ghost on certain aspects of, of ride maintenance. Um, which like, I get it. Budgets are budgets. Wooden coasters are kind of expensive to maintain. Like, I just wish, I just feel like there's so many better examples of wooden coasters of this age and style and pedigree being preserved in a way that highlights the experience and that the experience stays great. And whereas Dorney seems to have just, just. I think the problem with wooden coasters from that era is there's a million and one ways for a park to address maintenance issues, roughness issues, popularity issues, etc. Right? So you have like RMC, we've got retracking we've got reshaping and i just don't think that thunderhawk's path was the right path for the ride i understand that it needed some attention but it's just not yeah. what it used to be i suppose no um speaking of things that aren't what it used to be next up we're talking about oh. the journey through imagination with <laughs> figment and Walt disney world's epcot which used to be practically like twice the size of a ride it was- it, it was it massive. Was easily twice the size and that it was. A longer ride, generally speaking, a cuter ride. But also, it was just like a better experience, generally speaking, yeah. from what I've heard. I've actually not yeah. ridden the old journey. Me neither. To be honest with you, I cannot stand current journey with Figment. So yeah. it definitely must have been cuter at some point. The current ride feels very budgety. Like, we actually just rode it for the first time in years, um, a few weeks ago. And I think I riding through it. I'm like, gosh, they, you could. There was just where there was no money in the game for this remodel of this attraction. Like I understand that the old version of the ride was, you know, demolished in part because of the lack of money. Like there was issues with the Kodak sponsorship, like deteriorating and funds with three like they couldn't afford to remodel the ride in the condition that it was. Like the it was too big to remodel the ride entirely with the money they had so they like chopped off part of the ride and then just remodeled that part but then it was a huge fiasco everyone hated the new version of the ride and then so they had to close it again like a couple years later to give us the like rush job current version which like sort of stopped the bleeding it wasn't as bad as the new version that opened in the night in like 1999 or 2000 or whatever but still like pales in comparison to the original so there's definitely, this is a ride that, like, we have no personal experience of it having been cute, but, like, we know it used to be cute. Exactly. It was cute by the standards of of Disney, and now it's, like, barely even cute by any standards. And, like, I like, I think Figment is a cute, likable character, and so I, I think he deserves better. Um, but yes, okay, so speaking of judging things based on Disney standards, the next ride is Ghost Castle at Europa Park, which is this really bizarre, cheesy, dark ride. You could tell that, like, it was, it was, it's like ordering a knockoff Haunted Mansion from, like, Temu or Wish or whatever, (laughs) And at first it seems like it's got some original, it's got some slightly original components to it, but it's also just very rip-off-y and not like in a way that's well done. Like, I don't believe that the first person to do something to have an idea necessarily owns that idea. But like, if you're going to do 
haunted mansion stuff and like take the scenes and like if you're gonna do the elevator which europa park does the elevator like you need to do it right it needs to look good and it's just cheesy it's just a lot of gags and then a typical mac typical europa park they have in recent years reskinned the ride with the um happy family ip yeah i don't know much about that it's sort of it gives it's like it looks like a hotel transylvania ripoff but one of their their ride it's it's actually it's, I've seen it as a VR IP on like other parks like when I went to Selva Magica in Mexico several years ago there was a Happy Family VR on one of their coasters and I was like what is this what franchise is this is there some like kids movie franchise that I'm not familiar with turns out it's just Mac um, but yeah they did that they did a, a, a kind of a shoddy overlay of their existing haunted mansion type ride with the Happy Family theme and it just made it even worse and more confusing so i guess with this ride there's never there's not actually even a guarantee that it was ever cute but we're giving them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt so a ride that i know for a fact was once cute is space mountain and magic kingdom anyone that's recently sure? written it can practically understand where we're coming from this ride is just rough and a rough shape rough all things considered Thematically speaking, it's not up to snuff compared to the other ones. While the queue is okay, and the station has gotten a couple projection mapping upgrades, it's still a very, like, kind of like janky roller coaster. And when it opened, it was revolutionary, indoor-inspired, many, many coasters around the world ever since. However, I think it's time to gut the entire giant dome. First of all, this Space Mountain in Anaheim, I mean, in, uh, in Orlando... It has two racing tracks, practically, that are mirror versions of each other. Um, and you think, okay, well, two tracks, has more capacity. But really, every train is like a single file train. So the capacity is honestly about the same as that of like Anaheim, Hong Kong, Tokyo. Um, and the dome is very tall, but it doesn't even get anywhere near the ceiling of the dome. Like, it, there's a lot of space that isn't actually used to the dome. It's a lot of large, empty space. I think it's ready to gut the entire ride, take out both tracks, and replace it with a dueling or like, you know, two-sided coaster that is more in the vein of Anaheim slash Hong Kong slash Tokyo, where you can fit two people next to each other and then actually increase capacity by doubling capacity and do a whole new layout, do something new, do something cool, onboard audio, effects, great new projection mapping, it is so analog, it is so old, it is so 70s that while the nostalgia is I'm surely there for a lot of people and that's, that's kind of like the fun thing about the ride, um, it just it can't go on much longer like it's this. Not like it's not a time to update. experience. So much of Disney World in the last few years, they've really been cleaning house on rides and attractions that are not delivering on the, the promise of the experience that they claim to provide. Space Mountain, especially, I mean, we knew this would happen. Tron opened, and it the the, the, the comparisons, having Tron and, and Space Mountain in the same frame has been really damning for Space Mountain, because Tron is so slick and stylish, and it highlights everything about Space Mountain that needs to change really badly, and it's never been more apparent now, because you have the most obvious point of comparison, point of reference for like what a themed immersive ride experience should be. Um, 
Yeah, okay, so going down the road a little bit, we are at Universal Studios Florida. Um, unlike some of the rides on this list, like something like Journey, like Figment, for example, I kind of just wish that this ride was back the way that it was. Figment, um, Cat in the Hat, like there's definitely rides where the future, a nice future would be like restoring it to its opening day um, specifications, or at least doing something new that like honors the old attraction. Um, but for this ride at Universal Studios Florida, I don't think there's any thing to do for this ride except demolish it and that is hollywood rip ride rocket i think this ride every person that i've ever talked to that knows anything about roller coasters who has worked for universal who has worked in engineering tells me the same thing and it's that rip ride rocket's days are numbered so the cute thing used to be that you get filmed on a ride you get your little music video the song choices were definitely from the era they were relevant at the time it was cute it was like it was a vibe when it opened you know quirky big ride kind of sitting on city walk you know brought some life to the park it had a city walk vibe like it definitely kind of needed that for the park and i think that when it opened it was it was it was hot shit but like in a good way it's just that the song choices have never been updated. And, girl, that ride is old now. Like, I mean, it's 14 years old now. Yeah. Um, the whole ride is just not smooth. Like, it's kind of, you know, bumpy. I don't mind it because the seats are pretty comfortable. But all things considered, it can't even keep the scaffolding on the side of the lift hill. It's like, it just, you know, the new scaffolding that came up after oh, months like the of banner. not being there. Yeah. It just ripped off on again. The, uh, on the superstructure. So yeah, that's just... We noticed uh, that today. That it's just like, it's not what it used to be. And these weird LED kind of like thematic beams they've got hanging on the building that, you know, are like these highly pixelated thematic touches. It's just kind of like, it's all not it anymore. It's kind of like a time warp of what it used to be. Um, and they're hanging on so hard to that original product. But I don't think anyone is going to say, like, wow, it's a good modern ride. Even the, even the lines for it are not that long these days. I don't think people really ride it that I much. think Rip Ride Rocket like captured what was ultimately a fleeting aesthetic of like, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's sort of like this, uh, post 2000s, post recession aesthetic (laughs) of like nightclubbing and stuff. And just the language that they use, everything about it is extremely, it's hard to describe it, but it is extremely 2009. Oh, very. Like, when you take everything into account, there is just simply no other year that this ride could have come from. Because a a few years later, it would have already been irrelevant, the theme. Even the color palette. There's just so much about it that feels like, wow, okay, this was was very, like, like they kind of had an idea, but there was not a whole lot of substance. What would have been really cute is getting an actual... Full price, expensive, nice Hollywood dream, which is this is the cheap version oh, that we got yes. in Florida. We should have gotten what Japan got. Well, what's sad is it didn't. was still $45 million. So, like, it wasn't even that cheap. I know. But they just went with. Because B&M wouldn't build what they wanted for the price that they got. I mean, in fairness, it's, it, it, the ride had potential. It's just execution wasn't great. There's There's metal fatigue and stress fractures and stuff. Like, it's. It's well known that the ride is is gonna go in the same direction as old Hulk and doing dragons, except it's not gonna get retracked like Hulk. It's going when it, when they demolish this ride, they won't build it again. I don't think there's a chance for that. Ooh, well that's a good segue because okay, so the next ride 
on this list actually did get rebuilt. It was this is this is a really under discussed example of a steel retrack. Retracking steel coasters and like or like even demolishing them to the footers and being rebuilding them was something like ten years ago was unheard of. And I think Hulk was one of the first major like high profile examples of an entire ride being demolished or like a majority, like the a vast majority of the of the ride being demolished and rebuilt. But actually at Six Flags Over Georgia, the Delonica Mine Train, which opened um I want to say 1969? Yeah, 1960. Six Flags Over. Yes, Six Flags Over Georgia opened in 67. They opened the second log flume in 68. The mine train came in 60, 69. Or no, maybe they opened with the mine train. I can't remember. Basically, the mine train is old. And because of the frequent water damage that it would sustain from floods and whatnot, they actually demolished like 80% of the original ride. And had Odie Hopkins come in and retrack it, and how do you feel about that? <laughs> People need to know that the original the Long Island Mine Train was much like the one at Six Flags Over Texas, wooden support structure, very wooded, lots of like small turns and dips, like nothing too crazy or spectacular. Yeah, but it wasn't, um, like, it, the ride was kind of like a vibe. But it also had a scenic. mini mine train that yeah. ran around it, and. Overall, that entire aesthetic, that entire vibe is 100% gone. First of all, all trees have been cut. They've since been adding attractions. They're all around it. Mini Mine Train is gone. And then when Hopkins came in to replace most of the ride's superstructure, they took out all the wood because of all the flooding, all the damage to it. It just wasn't sustainable to have a wooden superstructure for this ride. So they built a really basic, just, you know, vertical beam steel support structure and replaced the track with like a you know steel roller coaster track a la an aero track. But the thing is the whole heart and soul of that mine train is gone. And not just the heart and soul of the hardware, the whole theming the around it's gone. Yeah. Now like you know, your riding is practically kind of rough because I don't think that it's gotten any better. No. By any means, the kind of rough roller coaster around a flat piece of like deserted land next to one abandoned ride and one show building for another ride and it just feels like why is it even here just take the thing out of his misery it's not cute <laughs> yeah i think the biggest loss is between the second and third lift hills because not only did we just recently lose the like trough the wood fence trough with like the terraforming on either side people who've ridden this ride before the last few years know what i'm talking about but also, like, that little Hewix thing that the ride does used to be so much more interesting and pronounced with the original track. Like, Hopkins got really lazy when they redid that second third of the ride. If you There's a great POV of the original Mine Train from, like, 1984 on YouTube, and we watched it, and we're like, wow, the second third of this ride was so much better uh, in its original form. So the ride just got a conceivable, like, a downgrade in every conceivable, measurable amount and so now the next ride we're going to talk about in our list is the Jurassic Park River Adventure here at Universal's Islands of Adventure. It is no secret that when these Jurassic Park River Adventure rides, Hollywood, Orlando, and then later even Osaka, opened, that these were really advanced water rides with spectacular animatronics that weren't just cool animatronics that we're used to seeing on the smaller scale at like Disney parks. They were just massive animatronics that, you know, 
were fluid and honestly kind of the envy of the world i think at, at the time especially because they were outdoor in the you know in the weather however well, recently that outdoor weather situation has really kicked this ride's ass and as of right now there's like only there first of all half the animatronics are either in really really poor shape and not functioning to nearly the degree they're supposed to functioning in or they're simply just not even there right now or they're just standing still not doing anything so as of right now we're missing the ultra sore and the ultra sore <laughs> which is like the big first the reveal scene. you can't like open the gate to Jurassic the Park reveal. and you see a freaking fence that's it it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of sad it's a joke and then you've got the couple animatronics but then the animatronics that is they're supposed to jump out of the water the stegosaurus is supposed to jump out of the water is that what it is oh the um hadrosaur the hydrosaur that, anyway currently it ain't doing any of that it just kind of sits there if you're lucky he, if his head comes out of the water you're lucky if he well his head is now he's just static out of the water so sad and you'll be lucky if he even moves it's with so his audio, and then you have the T Rex that's cur- that's always broken, yeah. and then like all together the product is just so weak. Like you have this like massive IP, you have Hollywood's version that is now Jurassic World, and it is spectacular. One oh of my favorite God. rides in the world. So Fighting dinosaurs, animatronics, all fluid, and completely Japan upgraded. Is rumored to be getting it too, and then Japan's going to close next year, and it's also rumored to be getting that same upgrade. And then there's the one at Orlando, and it says it could not be in worse shape if you tried. <laughs> right next to it, I have a Jurassic World themed launch roller coaster. Everyone loves Velocicoaster. But the quality between the two is so glaringly unequal that it is time for them to just shut Jurassic, World, uh, Jurassic Park River Adventure down and give it a complete, complete makeover. If they want to keep the Jurassic Park theme, Fine, I don't care. Just make it look decent. It's not even decent right now. It's not cute. It's, like, not it's, a cute look, not a cute vibe, not it, but preferably make it Jurassic World, in my opinion. It's, like, slightly better than the ride just being closed. Honestly, slightly. I'd rather just not even look at the shit show that that ride is. It's hard to watch. And even the general... Anytime we ride this ride, I just listen to people saying, like, where is the dinosaur? Why does this look people so People are just bad? not impressed. It's just a joke. Some of the stuff, it's, like, we're picking up on things that could be improved about a ride that maybe the average writer, like maybe the average writer, the average five-year-old wouldn't take issue with like the figment ride, but the literally anybody who rides Jurassic park river adventure is going to be like, where is the ultrasaur in the lagoon that the ride has that we're being told that exists and it's not there. And then why is there this giant fence gap in, in the, the lagoon, water. like it's yeah. just so you—they're not even trying to fool anyone. So, I think of all the rides on this list, that one might be the saddest, <laughs> the saddest one. And right the original, now. this one already had kind of like compared to the original Jurassic Park ride in Hollywood. This one already had less animatronics, definitely, by having just one ultrasaur and having the you know the the kind of really large maintenance area that you coast through. It just was never, it was never even at the caliber of the original. And now with all the stuff not working and missing, and then the original have been upgraded with even more animatronics and a giant aquarium scene. There's so much more going on. Now the differences are even more glaring. Yeah. Like it is almost unacceptable that this one here is open in the state that it's open in. Completely. Sad. Anyway, <laughs> also sad is Furious Baco, because Furious Baco at Port Aventura has a bunch of animatronics as well that are currently not operating. You scan sitting there, all dormant. 
anyone knowing the ride knows that before you launch, there's a whole scene and there's monkeys animatronics that are in the ceiling, kind of moving around. They're part of the whole story being told. And they're just kind of sitting there dormantly. The doors are open and closed, don't open and close anymore. It was a beautifully themed storytelling launched roller coaster themed to winemaking. I mean, like the wildest <laughs> stuff. So it's such a cool concept. Honestly, a cute look. And now, all the cool parts of it are kind of just gone. And because the doors don't close anymore, it's so bright in the room with the screen that I've had issues trying to watch the screen and see what's going on on it because of the like the reflection of the light. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, it's kind of hard totally. to see the story. And then, but the story is not even making any sense because none of the animatronics are supposed to interact with the screens are working. And then you just kind of launch, and it's rough. Yeah, I mean it's a good kind of rough. Cool, right? wrong. I kind of yeah. enjoy it, but um, it's just not what it used to be. By any means, like it's just missing everything. I think the uh, another uh, like Tatuki Splash was a great encapsulation of a lot of what's wrong with Port Aventura, and this ride is another great example. Um, especially that, like, so it used to have these like barn doors that would swing up, like you would dispatch into the show building, and then they would close. That broke, and then they place with they installed it with like a rolling garage screen that would like lift up and down. And that broke, too. So they, they put a Band-Aid on the door, and then the Band-Aid broke. Like, that's that's literally so pitiful. It is so embarrassing that, like, their cheap fix couldn't, like, was... It, now they, so now they've got two broken doors, just and you, and you just dispatch into the show scene, and then off you go. It's just sad. It's really, truly sad. Um, the last ride that we're going to talk about, I think, is not... As dramatically bad as the last couple of rides. Here's that we what I want to say about. about that ride. The ride used to be cute, and the ride is still cute. Yeah. However, it could be cuter. Time has passed the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Studios by. Le quatrième dimension is no longer. No. Let's leave it behind us. <laughs> we have a. We're talking about the one in Florida, by the way. Marvelous <laughs> ride system that will never be built again because it makes operationally no and sense. mechanically no sense no. to do this again. No. Having like six shafts to work with <laughs> is like four too many shafts. <laughs> However, so freaking wild. The nice thing about this ride is is that you could tell so much more of a story. Yeah. As of right now, you get into the queue, you have your pre-show, and the pre-show shows you the Twilight Zone TV series intro with like. The floating person, and the equation, and the breaking window, and whatever the hell. And then, you go into the ride, and that's the exact same thing. You have a scene with the breaking window, and then you go up, and you have all, you know, the eyeball, and the floating equation, and, you know, you have all that. And then you do the dropping thing, and it shows you that again. So all you do is those, like, couple Not enough people talk about how this ride is just the pre-show, which is the title sequence for, like, the season five. In, like, many ways. And it's just over and over again. Like, there's no story. Like, nothing actually happens. But then when you look at the sister rides, despite it being a different ride system, you have your um, Hollywood Tower Hotel in Disneyland Paris. That is the um, new dimension of chills now where the little girl is taking over the elevator. Or she's also in it with us. Or she's in a different dimension. There's, like, you know, different stores and different shafts, which that alone is something I would love to see here. And then you have, of course, um, the... Guardians of the Galaxy version in Anaheim, where you have the six different stories and songs with the combining of the different screens. And then, of course, you have the Hightower Hotel 
and took a distance which is a completely different story. But we've learned <laughs> over the years that there's so much more you can do. And then you don't just have the shafts in Orlando. You have the added benefit of having that dark ride hallway scene where you have the physical elevator move out of the shaft and roll through the show building to the next shaft. There is a whole space that you can put an entire star scene. There's so much you could do. And you could make this there's one. There's so of those, much potential. You can make a one of those scenes where things just like change. You can have a different ride every time. Kind of like how they've been doing with the other towers where every ride's different and there's different scenes. They can do that now. They have so many opportunities. You can roll up there and that whole show building could look different than the last time you wrote it because technology exists. Well, yeah, and so much space got to two work ver- right now they've got two duplicates of the same room where you move into the that could be two totally different scenes and then the shafts could all be different it's yeah and suddenly the story is like it, almost like star tours yeah, it's like, you it's like so a many star different tours, stars yeah. and endings it's it's it, it disney has proven to us that they can do a lot with a little star tours and like guardians of the galaxy mission breakout are great examples of taking an existing attraction and without adding physically anything to the ride like they didn't make the rides physically bigger but they made them so much grander and did so much more and i think part of the reason they're not doing this with tower of terrors because everybody loves the ride for what it is and i think that's great like there's nothing really wrong with the ride it's just that it could be so it could be so incredible potential's endless it could be spe- absolutely spectacular because if you see what it's done just with the installments and then you imagine what they could do with a bigger ride system show bullying situation. It just begs the question, how much more can they really do? And I think that, you know, again, the ride's cute, but it could be so much cuter. Yeah. 100%. And with that, we're ending off our little section about rides, and we're jumping into the themed areas. All right. The first themed land isn't really a themed land per se. Cedar Point is sort of a theme park when it wants to be, and it's also not a theme. It's also a traditional park. It's a little bit of both. Yeah, I wouldn't quite call it a theme park because there's not a whole lot of theming, but it certainly is an amusement park. And so, like, the back of it is themed. And they sort of, now they've got their boardwalk area that is a theme. The entrance of the park is just the entrance, and that's fine. Um, But there's just parts of the entrance of the like first, I don't know. Cedar Point has made some improvements with like their curb appeal and first impression. So the gatekeeper was obviously like a very important step in like making Cedar Point less ugly. But I feel like now that they've put so much effort into the everything to the right of the midway of the main midway with like the pavilion and the the wild mouse, so, like that whole little flat right area is too cute. Like looks great. Now the the main drag, everything to the left. The, the Raptor area with, like, those bathrooms there that look like a Detroit Metro Public Park. Um, and then, and unfortunately, the Valraven area, the Midway with, like, Valraven and Blue Streak and the remaining Arrow car ride, it's all just too concrete Like, maybe, maybe we're just nitpicking here, but I just feel like Cedar Point could be prettier and could be more flush with foliage. Especially in the back of the park where it is really quite pretty. And, like, it can, it's not that hard to just decide to tear up some concrete and, and plant some trees and redo some bathrooms. Talk about concrete. Next up, we have Tomorrowland <laughs> and Disneyland. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure everyone listening knows exactly what we're talking about. We have abandoned ride after abandoned ride after abandoned 
other attraction between like innovations, um, rocket rods, and uh, you know, old rockets just sitting there all yeah. kind of abandoned and not really using the preview theater a whole lot right now. There's just a lot going on that isn't actually happening. So it's very clear that they should really be gutting the whole land and replacing it with a more modern aesthetic and put in a new e-ticket attraction with interventions is and tying the whole land back together. But it's very clear that Tomorrowland and Disneyland is far from what it used to be. And even though I'm not a big fan of Tomorrowland and, and Orlando per se, it's still better because everything's kind of happening. Everything's open. Every, you know, besides the old alien theater, everything else is kind of accessible and doable. There's stuff to do, you know? Yeah, the thing with Disneyland is that, like, Disneyland is so tight on space, and it's they do such a great job of space optimization, except for, right now, for Tomorrowland, they just have all of this real estate that is being either underutilized or not utilized at all. There's so much potential. I know they've got plans, and I know, like, what they're going to do is going to be really drastic, but whatever it is, they just need to do it now. Like, it's been way too long. The, the Rocket Rods has been... Sitting there, I mean, it's been 25 years since they tried the Rocket Rods experiment, and we've been sitting here waiting for Tomorrowland to get fixed for two decades, so, like, it's just, it's time. Like, they've done everything else to the resort that they could possibly do. Like, fix Tomorrowland. Let's go. So, next up, I may mispronounce it, but who knows. À travers le temps, at Parc Asterix, is like an indoor area themed to old Paris, if I'm not mistaken. And it has, like, these little shows. Little and vignettes and stuff. Kind of, like, dungy, honestly. There's not a whole lot going on. It literally dark. feels like a dungeon. And <laughs> there's, like, closed gift stores and cafes and stuff. Like, it's kind of not very clean inside. But they have these indoor areas, and they're connecting, like, almost from Hooterix uh, all the way over to... Um, Oxygenarium. Yeah, like Oxygenarium and Osiris over there. And that whole stretch is, like, a large part of the park. I feel like if they just like fluffed up the insides and there used to be dark ride there that you were able to access from yeah. inside. If they were to do something with that Tonstemonium space and then retheme the insides of those lands, the inside of those buildings, it could be a really cute, nice place, especially with like the weather they get in Paris. Yeah. I think it'd be cute, but right now it just feels like like it has been touched since opening that like, area, it's a weird part of the Not park. only was it really a cute area in its day, but it's also what way ahead of its time. A modern theme park design includes a lot of indoor-outdoor space. Just look at, like, Universal Studios Beijing. Like, half of that park, almost, is, is, like, indoor areas. Paris's weather is not quite as dramatic as Beijing's, but this was a great example of, like, a park integrating a fully enclosed midway into their park design. And so there's just a lot of potential there. I could do something really cute with it. Speaking of potential, I'm sure <laughs> everyone has been listening to the buzz about Lost Continent because they lost that game when they added Potter. And they though, really lost the continent there. Though Potter is obviously like the bread and butter and the best and most popular area of Islands of Adventure, the problem with the rest of Lost Continent is it's in a big identity crisis. You have over here a solid kind of theme that stretches all the way from Sue's Landing to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but it's an abandoned show theater, it's an abandoned walkthrough attraction, an open restaurant and a couple of food things. That's about it. Like, there's this... The soul is sucked out of the place. If you're waiting for Hagrid in a long line, you're waiting through Lost Continent. It's just like... It's it's kind of like a small little broken shell yeah. of its former glory. And the big bad attractions they used to have, which included Sinbad, 
and um, Poseidon's Fury, and then of course the flying unicorn and doing dragons. dragons. None of those things yeah. are what they used to be. First of all, three of them are closer to demolished, and one of them is now a Harry Potter attraction. So we're just stuck with a land that is only like a seasonal food items, a pop-up tribute store, yeah, and store. a couple of like other really strange like stores that honestly sell really generic merchandise in the name of a bazaar, but it's yeah. bizarre that it's still here. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, this place, I don't think Universal really knows what to do with this place. Except, Zelda. Yeah, there's there's definitely some rumors going around of like dividing up the area further and, and parceling it off into new themes and more Harry Potter, but... I don't know. I think their work is cut out for them. It's just they're going to have to make some tough choices. We may be saying goodbye to some very iconic architecture and iconic fixtures um, for the resort. But whatever they're doing, I think they might be doing it sooner rather than later since they finally gave up the ghost on uh, Poseidon's Fury. Even though they just remodeled the facade. Like, they updated the facade. It looks great. Now there's no ride there. Um, it's a lot of space they can work with. So them. yeah, it's it's the kind of the plot thickens. That was a that was a surprise. I think when they closed the ride, like for me, um, considering the money they just put onto it. But I guess we'll see. We shall see. Um, Next up, oh, so we have another Florida park with a, a a relatively modern area that I think just needs a little work. And that's Jungala at Busch Gardens, Tampa. This area doesn't... I don't think it needs to change too much. I just feel like it doesn't have the substance that it opened with. It opened with the little tree gliders. Those are gone. There's a lot of playground equipment there, and I think a lot, some of it, if not... Most of it. Most of it is not accessible. That's, that's what used to be cute about it. You have the tigers. Um, you have the orangutans. You have another um, kind of like African herd animal somewhere in the backside of the land that you can only see from the play area and they from have the, the train. Bat. They have the bats, which are cute. They have the bats, and then you have, um, and now clearly a Chick-fil-A, okay. and then you have those two gliders and a little drop ride and stuff, and then a the giant playground, but the problem is most of it's inoperable yeah. or not being used Wild right Surge is closed a lot. And I feel like, altogether, that area is one of the newer ones, and it's honestly nicely landscaped. It has a cool bridge over, far over the tiger enclosure, it's all really cool, but it just kind of feels dead. I kind of feel like you're not supposed to be over there when you walk past it, yeah. and that's kind of sad. I feel like it can use, especially because that park needs more, like, Grand Kitty areas. Yeah. So, I think, I don't know if this area needs, like, a full, like, major re-evaluation, or if they just need to just throw some money at the existing stuff and kind of zhuzh it up a little bit. Um, totally switching gears, we have Hansa Park, which has made a beautiful transition, by and large, a beautiful transition from a traditional park to a theme park. Very beautiful. This park used to just really be a park with rides, and now it is a theme park with some really amazing, well-fleshed-out themed areas, Um, except for this one sort of thematic purgatory, which the park calls it, the area just is called Water Fun, but it's this very 80s-looking area, this little corner that has the, the weird... Intamin two across super flume that's like halfway between a log flume and a shoot the shoot ride. It doesn't seem to really quite know what it wants to be, and it's not very spectacular. It's a pretty simple like up turn around drop. It's just, just it's 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 an odd little ride. I don't even know. My fear is that they probably haven't done anything with this corner yet because they're going to demolish the ride. <laughs> 
they did a nice job remodeling the older log flume and, and remodeling every other area of the park. And some of their attractions have survived their thematic retellings and some have not. So I think water fun, which is just, it's just some boat sales. It's giving Epcot. It was a very, it's a very Epcot-y oh, yeah, sort of thing. Um, I think this corner of the park is, is probably actually done. Like, I think they're going to do something completely different with that corner because it's sort of the final piece to the Hansa Park puzzle. Um, so as, as far as things that are on this list that are actually going to be addressed anytime soon, I think Water Fun might be one of the first. <laughs> and next up we have County Fair Dollywood. County Fair was the main children's slash family area of Dollywood for a very long time. And when you enter the park, it's kind of separated from the rest of the park. It's kind of on its own little wing, right where the train station is. But now they have Wildwood Grove. And I just feel like the county fair is so forgotten about, so mad. So you show up there and it's like, why is it even here? It, it needs some paint. and We missed the log flume. Yeah, yeah, that was that's a pity. I mean, the log flume was really cool. It kind of makes sense that they chopped the log flume because... They did that with the big remodel that they gave the area. It was like a 2002 or 2003. And by chopping the log flume, they gave that area a lot of room to, to add more rides. And there is a very nice, like, kind of Zamperla-y collection of rides. But it's honestly, it's, it's lost rides since opening. Because, like, they used to have the kitty coaster. They removed it because the area was getting so congested. They chopped the kitty coaster and put a new kitty coaster in over by Thunderhead. And then they used to have the EY Bridge Ferris wheel that was really cute, and it just disappeared one year. I think there were times that they would take it down and remodel it and put it back together. In the like, They would take it down for the off-season or whatever. And then one year, it just never came back. And I think that plot is still empty. There's just little... There's there's just... That area, just it just needs a coat of paint and like maybe two more rides. And it's good as new. I just feel like Wildwood Grove has is just the country area again like they just did the exact same kind of thing over again with different rides of course and like some more interesting rides honestly um but they need to not leave country fair out in the cold like give country fair some paint and a couple of little rides and bring it back up to the level that like wildwood grove is at so next up are two areas at Six Flags Magic Mountain. Everyone listening to Coast Kings Radios over the years knows that that's you know where Alex and I met, and we have lots of things to say about it. But I really think these two areas belong on the list um, for different reasons. First of all, DC Universe uh, used to be cute. It's have it's had a long lifetime um, from this place being has been kind like of five like different things. yeah, from mm-hmm. being kind of like a party block that we opened later that literally people from the town could go into and party to being an eventual um, Gotham City with uh, grinded gearworks and, um, you know, just very Gotham... Acme Gotham vibes, Exactly. And then in 2010, in preparation of opening Green Lantern's first flight, they turned the whole area into DC Universe. The nice thing was that all of the attractions that were already there remained there. So you had your... Um, you had one or less of truth. You had the Flash. The Flash you had and Batman, Batman, and then eventually your lady had Green Lantern. You had like all sorts of restaurants, you know, pop up food stores. It was just honestly a lot going on, and it was a great area because you would wander in there, and there were several midways kind of going around. And between the stores, the food locations, and the four major attractions, there was just a lot happening, and it was popping, and it was really cool because then they added. 
Um, not just Green Lantern, also updated Superman to be Krypton coaster, and it was kind of looming right over it. And or Escape from Krypton, sorry. Yeah, and then they, and then they added Lex Luthor right next to it. So like it all kind of just worked. And then they removed Green Lantern and they added Wonder Woman, which great roller coaster. But the problem is they took out the Flash attraction and they just completely they took out the food locations, all three of them. They just leveled and that leveled area. the whole place. And now it's a giant concrete pad. They even took away the DC Universe arch to replace it with the more like industrial arch. That's just like metal. And so now you walk over there and it's just a giant concrete pad with nothing else going on except for these two rides. It's honestly ugly despite being brand new, all of it. I honestly hate the way the DC Universe areas are coming along because like Discovery Kingdoms, Discovery Kingdoms also looks terrible. That area of the park was kind of born out of nothing. So there's not like a better version of itself to compare it to. But... Six Flags Magic Mountain and, and also Six Flags Over Georgia's Gotham City areas used to be that that Time Warner era of thematic choices was so cool. There was such an, a fun commitment to the grunginess and spookiness and eeriness of Gotham and like where all the villains would hang out. And now you go to these areas and they're just weirdly sterilized. They're very lots of bright colors um, and lots of concrete. Yeah, it feels like it's for Instagram pictures only. Like, I find it really sad, this is a slight tangent, but, like, I find it kind of sad that at Six Flags Over Georgia, the big extended, um, Gotham City Park queue for Batman of the Ride, Batman the Ride was demolished, flattened, completely paved over, and they put Catwoman's Whip, um, the Zampro Endeavor ride in its place. On the one hand, it's like, great, you added a ride to a park without demolishing a ride. Like, that's huge. That's great for your capacity for your net rides but then on the other hand i'm like oh it's like the death of of the time warner era like time warner did great things with magic mountain and six flags over georgia's gotham city areas and now i'm like it's all gone all of it is gone so and then also metabound we have samurai summit which i mean started out its life as this like japanese rock garden on top of the mountain overlooking the valley which gorgeous surrounding mountains and eventually you know you had um you had laughing dragon pizza company on there that was thematically appropriate you had it was the four wind steakhouse had the, it exactly it was fancy it was very nice there. and you had the dragon funicular that was there the sky tower with a beautiful garden around it and you know they added ninja and it was you know it, it was kind of a place that was hopping but the problem is that it's just not been maintained. Like, the, the Laughing Dragon Pizza Company is, like, falling apart. The restrooms slash Skyride station are in a despicable state. There is a loosely pagoda-ish little gift store that's paint Superman colors, even though Superman is usually not even open. And then it's just, like, in a really, really, really terrible state. Despite Tatsu's repaint being a good thing, Sky Tower is still closed. Ninja could really use some love. It's just, oh my god, it could be so pretty, it could got, be so beautiful. But the only time of year that that area actually seems to have some life, aside from Ninja, is uh, Fright, Fest. Fright Fest, when they turn the old Magic Pagoda building and the Eagle's Flight building into haunt mazes, which on the one hand, it's like, it's really cool to see people going into these places again after being shuttered for literally decades. But on the other hand, it's sad, because it definitely has perpetuated the need for these abandoned structures that, like, are 
just used for storage nine, ten months out of the year. And it is the last major area at Magic Mountain that needs to get a complete refresh because over the last decade or so, Magic Mountain every single year grabbed an area and rethemed the whole area. And DC Universe and that Pindo has gotten that yeah. twice. <laughs> However, Sarasam is the last remaining area. They just repainted Tatsu, making me think that perhaps more is coming soon. The Sky Tower, apparently, there is rumors that they are working on finally reopening it and finally relicensing it and introducing different elevators so they can use that. Um, all I really need is just like a nice touch-up, some new landscaping, and maybe one more major attraction. And I think overall, the, the, the area will be in great shape. And I know they're going to work on it eventually. And it used to be cute, and I hope it's cute once again soon. Yeah. There's a lot of potential there, and I just hope... I mean, it, I think it'll turn out better than... DC Universe, so <laughs> there will probably still be trees in this area when it's done, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> Speaking of no trees, uh, we need to talk about probably the, the most obvious area in a park that is so bad, and the rest of the park is so good, and it brings the whole vibe down. That is Dinoland USA at Disney's Animal Kingdom. You have one of the most beautiful theme parks in the world that has just incredible... Just mind-blowing attention to detail, just beauty, like stunning beauty. We have Asia, Africa, um, Pandora. Pandora, really, and even Discovery Island, the whole entrance set up. Like, the, this is a stunning park. And then you have Dinoland USA, which it used to be cute. It really did, because it opened, and you had the playground thing that was cute. You had Theater in the Wild, cute. You had um, a Countdown to Extinction, which was cute. Um and none of this stuff has changed, really, in all these years. And then the expansion pad that held so much promise, there was so much potential for the future of Dinoland USA with the expansion pad. And then they rushed and cheaped out and did primeval. They did Chester and Hester's Dinorama, which is a subsection of Dinoland USA. Not all of Dinoland USA is completely terrible. But Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama is, like, just brought the whole place down to another level of badness. Well, yeah, using an old employee parking lot to then do, like, a really cheaply themed parking lot. A carnival, and it's part of a theme. It's like, no, that's lazy and gross. Like, why? Really bad. And now, I I think altogether the area, because even if you're like, okay, no dinosaur or previously Countdown to Extinction is not as bad of a ride. Honestly, it's also not a great ride. Animatronics are not all that great. It's a lot of being in the dark and this kind of rushing through empty scenes. It's slightly better. Until they ran out of money. And the dinosaurs are like half unrealistic. The story's old and like nobody cares. And honestly... Dinosaur would have been on the ride list if the whole area wasn't also terrible. Exactly. So I am ready for Disney to say, girl, we're going to put us on construction walls and we're going to turn this into... Latin America or South yes, America. give me South and America. give me Indiana Jones. Just turn Dinosaur into the new Indiana yeah. Jones. And then uh, build me a raging spirits slash Indiana Jones at a Temple de Peril. Looping coaster. Make it a little bit bigger. Make it higher capacity. Make it look cute. And then have that whole area be like a kind of like a Mexican River Delta or whatever else South American. You know, just drawing inspiration for Disney Sea here. Yeah. Do it, make it look cute, and then the whole park would be cohesive, and this would be one of the cutest areas in the world. Yeah. I can feel it. I, this is like, I think they really want to do something amazing with Dinoland. 
Like, just don't screw it up because the Dino Land is the one thing standing in the way from Animal Kingdom being, like, virtually perfect. So, like, please, Disney, just fix it. I know you can do it. <laughs> but, um, so that closes out our second category of, of areas of parks that need to get fixed. Um, for the next 15 minutes or so, because we know we're already at an hour, we're going to talk about how many parks? We've got seven parks here that we feel like the entire park... The whole park just needs to take a step back and look inward. We'll take a quick look first at Tobu Zoo. Tabu Zoo. Near Tokyo. First of all, animal situation, not a cute look. Really sterile, kind of sad animal enclosures. Yeah. It's just not really that cute. The park sterile. itself is kind of like, eh, it used to be something, you clearly. There's like footers yeah. still sitting there of the wild mouse that looping in it. Even though Regina too just got like an update, yeah, I feel like Kingfisher is not that great. Um, yeah, it's kind of like whatever. But you can see the park used to be really gorgeous. Used to have really cool rides, and now it's just kind of dilapidated. That's that is very. That, I put an asterisk here. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I put an asterisk here and say that a lot of parks in Japan suffer the same fate as Tobu Zoo. A lot of Japanese parks in the like eighties and nineties Japanese parks exploded. Um, but then they had a slump, like in the mid-2000s, that the regional parks really didn't recover from. A lot of parks closed. Some parks like Yomiuri Land have done a nice job of modernizing and keeping afloat. And then there's parks like Toshimayan that just folded under the pressure, under the competition. Tobu Zoo is somewhere in the middle. Like, it's still hanging on. It's probably still profitable. People definitely still go, but it's this giant mess. It makes no sense. It's huge. There's just lots of emptiness and, and dilapidation and it really stretches the whole park so i don't know what this park needs but i almost i feel like it's kind of sad that this is the park that's still open yeah they've got the cooler coasters but Toshimayan was was pretty cute and i'm sad that that park is now completely gone so next time i list is six flags discovery kingdom oh, discovery kingdom has had a fascinating journey being marine land africa US, usa exactly yeah. usa Marine World, Africa USA, I mean, should say. Um, then just being a Six Flags Marine World. And, you know, there's just a lot going on. And then they turned into Discovery Kingdom. And they've had so many rides come and go. But thematically, um, they got a really strong rebrand in 2010. Where, like, just, like, the style they went with, the park wide was gorgeous with the land, sea, and sky. And for a couple of years, that was all going incredibly well. You had a well-oiled park with lots of cool flat rides, lots of cool animal exhibits. Everything was in great shape. Everything had been refurbished. Yeah, and then in 2014, after they moved Shuka to SeaWorld San Diego, their Orca, um, they then had two massive um, like aqua theaters to work with. Um, you know, a previous Orca Stadium and then a Dolphin Stadium that had both had Dolphin shows. Once had a one had a Cirque show with dolphins, you know, with acrobats, and then one had just like a high-energy, nicely relaunched stadium dolphin show, and everything was just in great shape, and times are great, and operations are great, and I feel like Circuit Discovery Kingdom was one of my favorite parks in California, and ever since then, operations have gone downhill, uh, maintenance has gone downhill, the whole vibe has gone downhill, and now we're just looking at... Um, what almost feels like a dilapidated park where nothing is ever open, a bunch of empty flat ride plots. I will say this year they've invested money in the zoo, like there's no zoo exhibits, and they've kind of cleaned it up nicely. The shark encounter has been redone. But just in general, I think the park really peaked in like 2014. 
But the moment they started work, they started applying the usual Six Flags formula to Six Flags to start wrecking them. That's when it went down because in 2012 they started adding their first um, DC property. It used to be completely free of licensing like that, except for Looney Tunes and stuff. But they added um, Superman Ultimate Flight, and ever since then there's such a push of getting all these DC characters in there, and it just turned this beautiful park into this concrete wasteland half of it, where we just tried to push in DC properties. And I miss the old Discovery Kingdom, honestly. And then it's like, there's definitely glimmers of hope because Safari, Sidewinder Safari, the mouse coaster, is amazing in its own way because it's a really cute ride. It's a great fit for the park. The queue is incredible because it's got different snake exhibits in the queue. But unfortunately, it's just like, it's one step forward, two steps back with this place because it seems like for every Safari Sidewinder thing that they do, there's like three things that they screw up. There's, like, this new ride here, and it's surrounded by abandoned ride plots. The park honestly feels too big for itself at this point. Like, there's just too much, too many areas for rides and not enough actual rides and not enough people to ride them and to operate them, so on and so forth. Um, And, you know, this is a park that Sean and I have both spent a lot of days at and a lot of different periods of time for this park. Like, between the two of us, we are very familiar with this park for the last almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, So it's a shame to see it in the state that it's in, but uh, hopefully hopefully it has a future. Hopefully the future for it is brighter than the future at California's Great America, which we, uh, as many people know, as as I think a lot of people are aware, that park is scheduled to close by the end of the decade, and it seems sad. It almost seems like the wrong... Northern California Regional Park is closing. Well, it's bullshit. <laughs> so next up is Night Valley, which Night is also Valley. known as OCT East in China. Shenzhen. In Shenzhen, over in the Guangdong province in the south of China. We did a complete episode on it a couple of seasons ago. Look it up. I think it's called uh, like a Forgotten Park or like uh, something like that. Uh, it was, um, oh gosh, what was, it was, we had a really clever name for it. We had a clever name for the yeah. report, but. Um, anyway, it's a forgotten a, report for a forgotten uh, resort. Right, exactly. <laughs> but there was also a um, episode about it. Um, yes. Anyway, I, I advise going back and listening to it. But yeah. giant ghost resort, practically the size of Walt Disney World, um, built That's not in an exaggeration. These mountains in China, <laughs> like above these resorts, and abandoned water park, abandoned theme park, abandoned hotels, log rides, like they, whatever you can imagine, it's been there abandoned. And then this amazing wooden coaster sits there. There is no doubt in my mind that this park used to be really cute because we see it firsthand. We see all the things that are abandoned. We see all the hotels. It's just crazy how massive this place is. I mean, I, I, I cannot tell you enough. Like, go Google it on our website or go listen to that episode. It's, uh, there's too much to go into detail. But this park needs to be on this list because it used to be this massive resort that was conceptualized and built. And then it ended up just being, like, operated in this, like... God, only maybe like ten percent, maybe five percent of it is still is, yeah. is like alive. And there's all of us. There's maybe a handful of rides that are open. The funicular is open. You can take it. The funicular or the, or the ski cabin to the top. It's like several miles above sea level, um, and then and then you could do the coaster. But, like, you know, there's, like, the center, right in the center of this whole thing was, like, this big hotel that had a log flume that went through the hotel. 
And when the log flume opened, it was the world's longest log flume. It's massive. It goes it's everywhere. huge. And it's all still there. And nature has reclaimed it. The vines have come up and crawled around. It's still log flume shaped. You can see that it was a log flume, but it is covered in vines. It's, it's, it's a really spectacular social media moment, but like a very sad theme park moment. And that's pretty much the whole part, the whole place in a nutshell. It's a miracle that that wooden coaster is open and actually seems to be well-maintained and gets track work regularly. Because uh, we wrote it in 2019, and I wrote it in 2015, and it was running great both times. Yeah. So. Next up, Haida Park in Germany. So this park, we had a really fun time at Haida Park. Like, don't get me wrong. I really, like, we, I really like Haida Park. We oh, love, Sam, love, we love the, the collection of roller coasters. It's really strong. Uh, we're Merlin fans, you know, they're, they're not perfect, but like, who is? Um, but, a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> and so, but Haida Park is just full of little areas of decay. There's a whole section of the park at the front that is abandoned, but like when you ride the monorail, it takes you right over it because that used to be like a main drag for the whole park. Um, there's the Mayan themed flat ride corner that is Went from, like, having seven rides. Now they're down to, like, two. Um, a lot of the of the mountain area with the bobsled and the abandoned second log flume, which is now all part of Transylvania. And, in fact, Transylvania keeps growing. Now it's part, like, Limite is now becoming part of Transylvania as well. It's really just Transylvania because they call it Transylvania. There's not a lot to it that would tie that theme together. But there's, like, you know, when they closed that second log flume, there was a huge impact to that area because there was all these waterways and stuff and, like, things that the, the bobsled was wrapped around. And you go and walk around all these, these pathways and stuff around the log flume and around the rapids ride, and you see where there also used to be, like, waterfalls and stuff. And, like, all of that went away when they gutted the log flume. Um... So there's three major areas of stuff that is abandoned and a couple of smaller areas too. There's too many areas in this one park for us to like cover all of the areas because there's also a couple of areas of the park that are cute that work well. Well, really the park is not in terrible shape, but the thing is it's so massive and they used there's so many areas that used to house something else that isn't housing anything anymore. Like the giant circle of Mayan flat rides. It's kind of just sitting there out in the open and, not being operated yeah anymore. um the park itself what is there is in good shape it's being decently well maintained i enjoy all their coasters very much but it's a massive sprawling park that um there's clearly gaps and you know there used to be other things there. yeah and so that must have been a really cute look for them back when it was there it's really a fascinating story the abridged version is that after the berlin wall fell they suddenly needed to grow capacity dramatically so they not only made the park huge, but they were even adding duplicates of existing rides. They would have, like, two Schwarzkopf octopuses, two pirate ship rides, two spinning boat raft rides, two observation towers, two monorails. Um, so there was this huge explosion of the park's growth in the 90s. And somewhere along the way, that slowed to a plateau, and now I feel like they're going backward. Um, I hope that in the future they will continue to just exist and operate good rides and attract patrons and hopefully the areas that need the most work will get addressed in seniority priority order and one day the park will not feel like a minefield of abandoned stuff hopefully exactly <laughs> but speaking of abandoned stuff so lightwater valley 
in England somewhere. I've been there, but I forget exactly what city it's in. Maybe it's the city of Lightwater. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't care about Lightwater Valley anymore. Lightwater Valley is dead to me. Somewhere along the way, the new owners just decided that they wanted to be like a kiddie park. So, like, there's Schwarzkopf Wildcat, which was themed to dinosaurs, which is super cool, with, like, animatronics and stuff. That was sold. It's in Texas now. I think Coda Land actually has it. The Wildcat. Some park in Texas or the Midwest has their Wildcat. But the same fate would not befall the 7,000-foot ultimate roller coaster. That's the <coughs> saddest thing. Having the longest roller coaster in the world was a really cute look. It was just cool. It was awesome. Everyone knew the park for that. Um, cutting that is, first of all, a giant loss, in my opinion. And then just changing the park to being only family-friendly only, taking away any variety and, like, thrill level. I understand the business model they're going for, but it's not something I necessarily like to see. And they basically used COVID as an excuse to cut the ultimate. I'm like, you just have such this incredible ride. They just recently demolished it. Like, they finally went through with it. It's just a crying shame. This this park was the ultimate cute park. Like, this park was so cute that you could play it in Roller Coaster Tycoon. The original Roller Coaster Tycoon, Katie's World, was based on Lightwater Valley and had several of the attractions there. And now all of the rides are gone that were in the Roller Coaster Tycoon scenario. It's just a, It's just a freaking shame. That ride was, the the ultimate was just fabulous. It was so weird. Speaking of fabulous, fabulous Las Vegas, um, <laughs> we're moving to Adventure Dome, oh, which yeah. is the next park on the list. Um, when this park opened, um, phenomenal, Grand, the Grand, Grand Slam, Slam Canyon. Canyon, like the giant water ride, um, and then having Canyon Blaster, the looping coaster. Well, Canyon Blaster is still there, and El Loco has been added, which is also a great fit. The park itself is kind of feels like not what it used to be. There is, um, you know, some awkward attractions in there, some really cool old classic flat rides, but, um, you know, leaking ceilings, broken glass in the parking lot. Circus Circus is honestly one of the worst, probably most hated hotels on the Strip. And it doesn't help that the owner of the resort is also kind of a creep. So Still all things rapping. considered, it's just like awkward. And then it used to be like free admission. You can buy rides or buy packages. Now you have to pay for admission, so even visiting Adventure Dome, just to kind of enjoy the atmosphere, that's not really a thing anymore. I just feel like Adventure Dome is not what it used to be, and up to recently, it was actually pretty lit. Like, we went all the time, we lived in LA. A lot of this stuff could be forgiven if the park wasn't owned by Phil Ruffin, uh, Oklahoma oil tycoon billionaire who was one of Donald Trump's best friends. Um, so, like, I guess I would say that if you've never been here... Uh, no one, I don't think, would blame you for going here and giving this creep your money and riding Canyon Blaster and El Loco and, like, having the best time. But, like, for us, we went, we've ridden everything that's there, we've done it all, and now I just kind of feel like, ooh, like, I don't need to go here anymore and, like, give this dude my money because like, exactly. I don't have to. I don't want we won't to. give it too much airtime. <laughs> um, next is Six Flags Over Texas, which is our last park on the list. I know, not a Six Flags Park, but Six Flags Over Texas used to be like a rival to Disneyland. It was like, really cute. It was like well-themed and cool and awesome and themed to the set, you know, the, the, the six um, nations that once had anything to say in Texas, and that was all really cool. Um, but now it's just like, God, it, it's the former uh, buildings are all still there, but it's just like most of it's kind of like either poorly maintained or abandoned or midways have been cut up to put out attractions in there. And then you have 
Aquaman's kind of awkward, and it's all just kind of awkward. Ugly. Like it's the whole park is just <laughs> like you can man. see where you just have gorgeous bones and really nice landscaping. It's a gorgeous park, and then it's just like you have all these concrete or asphalt pads, and oh my god, it's hard this to describe. This park has the it's worst so layout of any. I so bad. I got I lost you. several times there, and I think this is a well documented fact. I think people agree. Like, I beseech you to find me a park with a worse layout than Six Flags Over Texas. Terrible layout. Cannot get around that place. And, and it's only gotten worse. It wasn't even that bad when it opened. But the way that the park expanded, the way that the park was originally designed didn't really give much of a master plan, per se, when it came to And where they put Titan? Oh, my God. If you are not going to fight Titan, the big hypercoaster... I just know exactly where you're going. It is like, impossible to get There's there. There's like every for every decade this park has been open, they have done at least one really stupid thing with the park's layout. Like in the nineties when they built Runaway Mountain, they plunked it on top of what was a midway connecting like the center of the park to the oil derrick. Yeah, there's kind of like two rings in the park. Almost like, you know, like 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 a tire. Like you have your you know, your inside and you have your outside ring. And there used to be, like, ways to connect through all that. Yeah. And then the main drag, kind of from the park entrance past the Spain area, uh, or Mexico area, I mean, um, and then cutting all the way up to the oil derrick, they just plunked it right in the middle of it. And yeah. now you have to just find a way around it. And it's not like a good like, way around the, it. the midway from, like, Bugs Bunny Land over to the Gotham City area, like, the way that area, that corner of the park was grown out is so... I mean, this I really... There's not a, there is not a damn thing in this park that makes sense layout wise. Love the Custer collection. Like rides wise is pretty good, There's but it's still really missing a rides. big modern looper though. Yeah, this park is is all, this is this park is full of great vintage rides and like historic things. And like we owe Six Flags Over Texas, we owe Angus Wayne a lot of things in the industry. Things like pay one price ticketing model, um, the log flume. Like there's just there's some amazing amazing. And you can History really feel here. walking around there. It used to be a massive, active, almost like a Spillican Corners, giant park, lots to do, lots yeah, to see, a very like a lively Valley park. Kind of thing. And like most modern theme parks, that whole concept has kind of died out. Now it's just, except for Knott's Berry Farm, it's just more of like rides to the focus, you know, attracts to the focus. Yeah. And you can really sense there that like there's these attractions, sort of modern rides, not even that modern kind of plunked into spaces that used to have more meaning. Yeah. But everything around it's kind of just died out and it just kind of sits there. Yeah. I had a good time visiting, but and in hindsight, I'm just kind of like, oh my God, that park needs so much more love than it can possibly ever receive. Fun fact. Even though it's, right, it's, even though it's a headquarter park. The, yeah. The, the offices are right next to it. Yeah. Fun fact. This is like the only major theme park in the United States that Sean and I have not been to together. But we have both been We've to both them. been there. Yeah. But we haven't been there together. One of these days, we'll go together and we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll ad lib a little podcast moment about our feelings about this park, right? Uh, when we're there, get lost in there together, trying to find Shockwave. And that was our newest episode of Coast to King Radio. <laughs> Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. It's Check long. out everything else in season <laughs> five. Lots of cool content every single Wednesday. Releasing the episode, mini shows are on their way. We are appreciative of you following us um, wherever platform you're listening on right now. We'd also appreciate you leaving a five-star review. Help us grow. Get us out there. Uh, follow us on Threads, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and of course, visit thecoastagains.com for news, articles, park updates, all the good stuff. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye! Oh, there goes the talking stick. <laughs>